Today I want to talk to you about a way of escape. It's a passage I've never preached this message before. Out of this passage especially, though the concept is uh, universal biblically, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. And I love this phrase, but God is faithful. And you could go off on that and spend the rest of the time. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, that means to permit you, he'll not suffer or permit you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the, he's not going to stop the temptation. The trial is going to come. Brother Doc, uh, Doc Crabb this morning said that, uh, I told him as he was going up to pray, I don't want to be enlarged anymore. Not, 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 give me a little, I like a little space between enlargements. And if you've been in Sunday school class, you know what I'm talking about. But will with the temptation also, and here's the, here's the, here's the message. Make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God loves you. It's taken me many, many years, and I still don't have my mind around it. I think I got my mind around it, and then I don't. That God loves me. Why would he love me? This passage, though mainly preached really to the saved people, we have some spaces in the middle there. If you need some room there, folks coming in, we've got some spaces right out in the middle. Um, though this passage is for saved folks, typically about our temptations that come to us as Christians, and God will provide you a way of escape. It's like the old boy that his daughter allowed his daughter to go with a man on, on a thing called a date, and You know, the girl, when he got, she got in the car, she put her Bible between him and her. And he said, what are you doing? And he says, because you're not getting to me except you go over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> I mentioned that. The Bible will keep you out of trouble. I believe there's something bigger in this text I want to talk to you about, about God's character. I always, with fear and trembling, but with great joy, be, try to preach on God's character, preach who God is. I have a series on God's ways. And I mean, I just love God. I, the more I, the longer I, I know him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I read the Bible, the sweeter it is. Now, folks, young people believe it, man. I, why would I lie to you? The more, the more you get to know God, the better it is. The sweeter it is. kind of like, my wife and I, the longer she's married to me, the sweeter I am. Uh, I'm not quite that good, I guess, but she is. But God wants you to be with him in heaven. A fundamental truth is God wants you. Don't think about the next guy. 
God wants you to be with him in heaven. Now, what kind of compliment is that? That'd be like saying, I want you as my neighbor. I, I couldn't give you a bigger compliment than if I said, I'm a, I would really like the Gilberts to move right beside me out where I live and be my neighbor. Amen? That's big. That's big. I, I, I mean, really. And God says that he wants to spend all of eternity with you. <laughs> I don't. That is, want to spend all of eternity with you. Not in this condition, amen? When you get raptured and get rid of the old nature, then you'll be all right. And I think I'll be all right at that point. We'll be able to have, be in character like God's. But he did not, God did not make heaven to be uninhabited. He made it to be inhabited. He didn't make the new Jerusalem to, to be empty. He made it to be filled with people. His children. People who have chosen him above this world. They chose him above the desires of their own flesh. They chose him, get this, above the devil's best offer. They chose him above the world's grandest propositions. How do I know? Because of the temptation of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4, that's how I know. You may want to take your Bibles, you may not, you can just listen. But I'm going to quickly review, quickly review the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, Jesus is driven in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the Holy Spirit of God will drive you into the wilderness. And it'll be a wilderness, right, Brother Irvine? He'll drive you into the wilderness. You don't want to go, you got to be driven. I've never wanted to have gout. 25 years, but I was in the wilderness for 25 years. Never had to want to, I never wanted to have migraines, like our brother said, for 25 years, but I was driven into the wilderness. Now, there's, there's a number of things in my life. If you say, can I vote? Do I get a vote? No, I don't get a vote. God, for my benefit, gave me those things and others. So that, as the brother said, I would be enlarged. I could be growing. I could have empathy. I could be a bigger person, deeper, wider than you could be without it. And so Jesus himself, remember, what, what was his, one of his names? Son of man. What does that mean? Representative of man. That's what it means. As Adam represented us to sin and eventual death and separation from God, so Jesus Christ represented us to righteousness and eventual fellowship with God. The first Adam and the second Adam are called. Which one will you follow? Well, the one is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's the first Adam. And so, though Jesus came as the Son of God, I mean, he knew who he was. The father knew who he was. The demons knew who he was. And yet he was tested. He was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He, was, he fasted. Didn't eat for 40 days, 40 nights. Men do that. That has been done. And he was tempted. First temptation, Jesus was asked to love his body's desires more than God's will. And you will be asked the same thing. You know why Jesus said men don't come to the light, men don't come to Jesus? Because their deeds were evil. 
That's what the Bible says. Jesus, look it up. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. Jesus said, the reason that men don't come to light, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It made it real simple. Without that passage in Scripture, we may want to come up with some noble reasons why people maybe don't get saved or why people don't turn to Christ after they've sat in church and heard the gospel explained as clear as it can be explained. They turn away and go out there into the world eventually to die in their sins and answer for them and be cast in the lake of fire. Why would anybody take that at risk? Why would anybody move from the Holy Spirit's wooing? Well, the Bible says they love them, their body's desires more than they love God's will. They love darkness rather than light. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what people will give up for a little sin. Unbelievable what they'll give up for. Uh, it could be it could be smoking, drinking, cussing, acting ugly. I mean, you know, it could be all. It could be, but it's something that God doesn't want you to do. You know God doesn't want you to do it. And you know if you got saved, you got to quit it. <sighs> I know. I told the story over and over. Old boy worked for me for two, three years. And, and he, he said, I want to be saved, but I, I can't give up the honky-tonks. He was a southern boy. I said, honky-tonks? What's about a Oh, I love the honky-tonk on the weekend. Do a little, do a little, you want me to show you a little dance? You know what I mean? He did that little whatever they do, you know. Drink. He said, I love that. I said, son, if you die in your sin, you're going to spend eternity in hell. Oh, preacher, but I just don't want to give it up. He loved his body's desires, lust of the flesh, more than he loved what God was offering him. That's found in verse 3 and 4. He said, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Fulfill your desires of your flesh over the will of God. God said he was supposed to be fasting. He said, but you have the power to turn those stones to bread. Go ahead. Are you hungry? You got a desire? Make it happen. And what Jesus say to that, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The second temptation was Jesus was asked to put his self-importance and private desires above God's will. Pride. Matthew 4, 6, and 7. Thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his charge angels concerning thee, and in their hands shall he bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Yes, Jesus had the power. He could have cast himself down from there and not been injured. He could have, but it wasn't God's will. And he wasn't so self-important that it was above the will of the Father. The will of the Father was number one. The third temptation of Jesus was when he was asked to receive all the world had to offer in material possessions and power and glory above God's will. And we see in Matthew 4, 8, and 8 through 10, it says, And the devil take them up to exceeding high mountain and show them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. That was the first special effects mentioned in the Bible. You think about it? You think special effects are new? No, they're not. And, and, and he saith unto all these will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. In other words, let me make a statement here. God is number one, and you need to recognize him as number one. Satan is not number one. And had he recognized Satan as number one, he would have become a liar like him. For Satan is a liar and the father of it. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus' words. And Jesus knew him. 
And so each one of the temptations with Jesus was to put the flesh above the will of God, to put his own importance or pride above the will of God, uh, to take the temptation of everything his eyes saw and lusted on to, or looked at to be above the will of God. You know, even in our schools, we cannot retain a child that is not willing to obey verbal command. And everybody said, Ultimately, we cannot retain a child whose heart is not with us. You understand what I'm saying? We've had, we've had parents bring a teenager, like for our upper grades, into an interview for a school. And they'll say, we are born-again Christians. We love God. We want to put our child in school here. Uh, and, and, you know, we really need him to be in here. It's a good school. And they just throw a bunch of flowers at you, and I like that. And then I asked the one question. The proverbial one question. I look at the boy or girl, whichever one. I've done both. Do you want to be here? And the kid will look at me and go, no, I don't want to be here. And I look at the parents and I said, he can't come. Or she can't come. Because to allow someone in our school who will not obey verbal command, whose heart is not with us, is to create havoc. It is to create a world of contention. It is to create chaos. All the teachers ought to be standing up going, glory to God, hallelujah, preacher. But I mean, it, 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 it takes the peace away. It takes our happiness away. It takes the joy away. And listen to this. Our teachers don't want to get up and come to work. Now this, if, and I know this to be true what I'm saying. If this is true on the human level, how much more, at least at our school, how much more if God took us to heaven without our heart? Can't they, he can't let you go to heaven without your heart. He can't let you go to heaven. If you want this world, you can have it. Not for very long, but you can have it. But you aren't going to keep it. You want the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life? You can have it. You won't keep it, but you can have it. Everything the devil offers you is on a temporary basis. And because he's a liar, I would worry about that a little. He's like the greatest con man uh, that ever came around. He sells you a bill of goods. He can't really deliver because when you die, you go out naked like you came in. And you have to stand before God and answer for the deeds done in your body, whether they be good or bad. The biggest problem with all that is when you stand before Jesus Christ as the judge of the heaven, judge of all men, living in the dead, which the Bible says so clearly, you're standing before Jesus having rejected him as your Savior, having heard sermons, having read gospel tracts, having preachers beg you to trust Christ and plead with you to trust Christ and reason with you to trust Christ. And, and in every way, but just laying down the floor and crying in front of you. They said, be saved. Standing in front of Jesus, the one who died for you, and not even believe he said who he was. Wow, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, if you, if you were allowed into heaven, that would be crazy. God sent his son to die in our place so we could live with him. You know, it's of the nature of God to make a way of escape. He has made a way of escape for you. He's made a way of escape for me. 
Why don't you take it? And if, if, if things begin to go across your mind, like, well, if I took it, I got to give up this, and I got to quit this, and I got to, I actually got to start, I, and you say, I got to start going to church. You get to go to church. I got to start giving money to church. You get to tithe. Man, I, I'd have to quit cussing. You get to quit cussing. It ain't easy. My wife can make a preacher cuss. I'll tell you what, you ought to be around the house sometime. First, Bible says confess your faults one to another. It's just Bible. Second Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. Listen to this. Words of love. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. He's provided the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Do you know you're not going to be able to bear hell? You're not going to be. Have you ever read about it? Have you ever read what, the, what Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven? Have you ever read what the Bible says about hell? I don't know about you, but I've talked to doctors on this point. Is burn, burning, they all agree that burning is the worst pain you can possibly have. Kidney stones is bad. I, I've had some gravel. How many kidney stone victims do we have here today? Amen. Oh, you know pain, don't you? Get down and cry. Life, cry for your mother. She's dead. She can't help you, but you cry for your mother, brother, with kidney stone. Beg God to kill you. But they say burns worse. Why do you think the image of hell is the lake of fire? What God, what's God trying to tell you? Don't go there. Don't go there. Avoid it. Escape. That's God's nature is to provide a way of escape, and he has. Listen to Matthew 18, 14. Even so, these are Jesus' words, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not his will. Look at, look at 1 John 2, 2, where it says he is the propitiation for our sins. That's, he covers our sins with his blood, if you believe him by faith. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. And I love this part here, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's a group of people out there that say Jesus just died for the elect. He didn't just die for the elect. He died for the elect and the non-elect and whatever. He just died for everybody that ever took a breath. Right, that If you didn't have any other verse in the Bible, but 1 John 2, 2, it proves it to me. He died not just for us, but for the sins of the whole world. And you can receive it. And this morning, there's nothing stopping you from receiving it. Except you. Except you. Now, let me say this. He's going to prove you. The issue of our sin had to be taken care of and was at Calvary through the resurrection. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. If you don't know that verse, you need to mark it, need to go back it later on, need to, need to take that thing out and look at it once in a while. 
God said that his son died for you. Took all, every bit of the penalty that you in your sin required, he took it. It satisfied God when he died. Now he offers us a gift. Can't earn it, don't deserve it. He offers us a gift. What do you got to do to receive a gift? You have to reach out for it. You have to want it. The Bible says the gift of salvation is received not just intellectually, not just casually, but it's received with all your heart. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Confession is made with under salvation with your mouth. For if you confess your if you if yeah. That's two verses coming out at one time. I don't work out. Once made the righteousness of God, you're given the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the instructor, the companion. And then we get to the rest of our life here, as long as he gives you here, we get to prove our loyalty and our honesty and the reality of the decision we made for Christ. We get to stand alone against the forces of wickedness and darkness. And if I may say this, we get to suffer for his sake. You don't believe that? Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, I'll put the lid on it. He says, for unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And everybody said, you know, if I talk about heaven, they're like, yeah, well, you get to suffer for Jesus. Oh, I'll be honest with you, that's where I'm at on some of it. This last couple of weeks, I had the flu a while back. From the flu, I had woozing or dizziness. We had a few of our people here. Five or six of them had the same. It's from the virus, evidently. Unexplainable. Just about spit out there. Just getting to be terrible. But anyway, I had about 30, 40 canker sores develop in my mouth. Now, before I only had one, maybe two. Two were bad. Two make you hate life. 30 or 40? I went, to, I went to a doctor and had her look in there. She looked in there in horror. She said, wow, that's awful. I said, I know what. <laughs> I, got, I talk. This is what I do. And it's killing me. I've tried every holistic remedy. I would drink bat wing mixed with skunk oil. If that would help me, I, I'm pretty much over it now, but I tried all 14 of them I found, 14 holistic cures on the web. I spent 200 bucks on all of it, and I tried it all. I greased it. I, I beeswaxed it. I gargled it. I tried everything, and I can tell you it healed just about the same period of time as if I had done nothing. But it made me feel better. At least I was trying. We get to suffer for his sake. Our brother, Dr. Crabby, he said it, I enlarges you, right, Misty? He enlarges you. I go, I don't want a more enlargement. I don't want to, I don't want to be a deeper Christian. But you're driven into the wilderness. Thank God. He knows best. And so once you get saved, once you take that way of escape, Jesus Christ, you a simple childlike faith, say, I believe Jesus, he died, I believe he was buried, I believe honestly he rose again the third day from the dead for my sins, and I now ask him to be my Savior, humbly coming before him in repentance and faith in him. And the Bible says he'll save you. 
Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But then God proves you as a child, doesn't he? He proves you in real situations. He prove, proves you with a real free will choice. He gives you real options to betray him. How do I know that? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. He makes a, his own first two kids, Adam and Eve, made directly from God. Well, actually, Adam was made directly from God, and then Eve was made from Adam by God. And he says, I put you in this garden here. Beautiful. How many here would, if you had any vote in it, you'd have voted no tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I said, let's just keep that tree out of there. Right? You know, all the suffering in the world since then to now has been because of the aid of that tree. Sin in the heart of man. His tendency to do evil. His tendency to hurt. His tendency to pillage comes from sin. That nature that was, that was given to him after he disobeyed God because God said, the day eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now, they, they may have thought physically die, but here's what you don't get. You're made in the image of God. You will never cease to exist. That's a deep one. Biblically, I assure you, Saved or unsaved, you'll never cease to exist. The question is where you will exist. The existence in the lake of fire is so bad, it's called the second death. It's been said if you are born again, you die, you only die once. If you're lost, you've got to die twice. But you're not, never, never is it indicated you cease to exist. Not one time. I don't know, if that doesn't, if that don't give you chills up your spine, something's wrong. People commit suicide trying to escape their problems. Instead, they face them. And from that moment on, they have no ability to change them. Because when you die physically, you give up your free will. Man. God's giving you a real free will and a real temptation, a real chance to choose other than Him. Why? He wants to know who you are. How do I know that? The Bible says so. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And he says, uh, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did he do that? to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Now all I can say, if, if the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, was driven in the wilderness to prove him, how much more do we need to get proven? Amen? So I'm born again. That ain't the end of the story, folks. That's the beginning of the story. Birth is the beginning. I get born from above. The Holy Spirit comes in to guide me and direct me. And he says, do the will of God. But I'm in the midst of darkness here. I have choices to make. Every day, I get up and choose God. I choose God. 
Psalm 17, 3, Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me. Psalm 66, 10, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. By the way, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, Deacons are to be proved. Job was tried in Job 23, 10, But though he knows the way that I take, and when he tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I was there the, the day when... Uh, I never can remember this guy's name, and I'm ashamed of myself. Patch the Pirate. Ron Hamilton. Thank you. There was an echo in here. Ron Hamilton. I was there. Ron Hamilton, a young man, you know, going into ministry of God, and he had something go wrong with his eye. Went in and had it looked at. Most of the time, it would be nothing for most of us, but he had a tumor on his optic nerve or whatever. Took his eye out. He lost sight in his one eye. That's big. I remember I was there for his debut. In the meantime, during that trial, he wrote a song. Based on Job 23.10, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And he sang his song that he wrote the first time in chapel that day. I got to hear it. Man, I don't have much going for me, but I got that. I got to hear him sing, when I'm tried, purified, I shall come forth as gold. Man, I thought I was a young man sitting there looking at another young man singing it, going, man, I hope I can be like him. I'm not, I wasn't as good a Christian as he was, or I'd only have one eye. You can tell how, it's been said, you can tell how deep a Christian you are by the trials you've had. Boy, Jesus was tried. What do you think Gethsemane was all about? What do you think those trials were all about? What do you think that scourging was all about? What do you think the mocking and the spitting and the laughing and the tempting? Jesus was tried as the Son of God. He was tried by the devil. He was tried by the demons. He was tried by unbelievers. He was tried by the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, lawyers. Uh, he was tried by the physical suffering that he endured. He was tried by faithless disciples scattering in every direction. You understand, he was God manifest in the flesh. At any moment, he could have stopped it. But God the Father says you can't stop it. You have the power to stop it. The test was this. The Son of God had the power to stop it. But he didn't. And as they smacked him, and as they whooped on him, and as they scourged him, he could have said, boom, they're gone. And the devil's probably there, yeah, why are you letting them do this? What you don't want you to take control of your life? Doesn't he say that to you sometimes? Hmm. Praise God, Jesus held... And he provided a way of escape. And he'll provide a way of escape for you. And if I may say on the positive side of all this, he'll provide a way of escape to righteousness, to good works, and finally to heaven. Eternally serving God in heaven. What you got to people say, Brother Bill, what are we going to do in heaven? Have you ever looked at the pictures of the Hubble telescope? The far reaches of the universe and stuff like that? Who made that? God, what you're seeing is fallen after the fall. That was all messed up. The Bible says he's going to make a new heaven, heaven's new earth. The Bible says also that his servants will serve him. I think we're going to do something 
in service because our God is a worker. He's a creator, and he's a genius. And he's going to give us a little of that, and he's going to help us. And I think he's going to say, go do that, go build that, go make that, go do And whoo, I don't know about you, but I love to make stuff. The satisfaction out of making something and standing back and looking at it and go, that. I understand a little bit, uh, just a touch of what God did when he, made the, when he made the first six days of creation. He said, that's good. I've laid carpet, I laid carpet for 17 years, did all kinds of different floor covering. And sometimes jobs would be very difficult, maybe spiral staircase, stuff like that. And when you got it all done, you could stand back. Nobody was around. You say, man, that's good. Like the old cowboy said, no brag, just fact. Oh, that's good to make stuff. And you don't think God is going to let us, by the grace of God and His power, are going to be able to break us loose, cut us loose to make stuff in the next world? I think so. It's coming. Woo! Woo! And folks, the old cheap junk the devil offers you isn't worth it. The thrills and chills of this world, as crazy as they may be, are temporary. The things that God promises you are permanent. To me, it's a pretty simple choice. I choose Jesus. I don't want to answer for my sin one day. I don't want to answer for it. I want it to be under the blood of Jesus. I want to succeed in, as his servant. I want to have a heart for God. I want to pass the tests he puts me through. I want to be proven and have been proven at this point in the stage in life. In lots of I'm not done yet, by the way. I think I'm going to get proven about retirement. You know, I brag to you folks through the years how sweet my wife is. That's because I didn't have to be around her much. But now she's home 24-7. 24-7. We're looking forward to it. We get along like oil and water. God loves you, folks. Jesus died for you. You say, Brother B, I've heard that story for years. Man, don't, don't get numb. Don't get numb. Don't, don't let it grow old. Don't do it. Tell everybody you know, Jesus saves. And someday you may be able to say, into thy hands commend I my spirit. And I like this verse. Paul said it, being confident. I, I was quoting myself as being confident of this very thing. You know when you're confident of something. He which hath begun a good work in us. We'll take it all the way home and complete it in Jesus Christ. He's not going to forsake you. Oh, the Bible says, when I'm old, don't forsake me. Yeah, that's right. I begin to say that. I'm not old yet, but. Father, help us this morning to, to digest the truth. Help us not to spit it up. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God would come and explain it that you've made a way of escape for us, that we may be able to bear it. And Father, 
Just like Jesus was tempted and proven in the wilderness, so we will be after salvation. And why would we expect to be exempted? Every good child of God is given choices. Help us to choose the right, the truth. Help us to choose justice. Father, we pray that there could be someone in this room, even this morning, knows not Christ their personal Savior. If they died, they don't really have a clue what would happen. They think, they hope, but they don't know. I think the Bible says in 1 John, we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. The Bible says that we can know Him. But these are written that you may know. 1 John 5, 12-13. You may know. Do you know today? Now folks, if you say I'm about, I'm 80% sure I'm saved, then you may not be. Because people that are born from above, nothing as big as the Holy Spirit coming in. Man, I don't see how you can doubt that. God's there in you. Now look, sometimes Christians backslide. They get, they get into sin, and of course they lose that security. They lose it. But you can come home. If you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you can come home. Come home this morning. Like that old prodigal realized, it's better in my father's house. Come home. But whatever you do, don't let these words go over you, by you, and miss them. Maybe you make a decision this morning. Maybe you make it this afternoon. Maybe you make it tomorrow, but make it if God lets you live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you do it right now? It's simple, really. Here's a couple of Bible verses that will help you to understand. Probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse says, whosoever believeth. The whosoever is you. But the whosoever believes what? Number one, you need to understand that you are a sinner. God says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, you need to understand that nothing that you can do, getting baptized, belonging to a church, going to a church, donating money, while all good things, they will not satisfy a just God. God says in Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. And number three, you need to understand that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day. And if you believe that, God promised in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Your prayer of confession could go like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner unworthy of your mercy, but ask for your mercy and your forgiveness. I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day that I might be saved and have a new life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you ask Jesus to save you, would you do me a favor? Let us know so that we can pray for you and rejoice with you. Our church phone is 239-947-1285.
The website is www.gospelbaptistchurch.com or go to iTunes podcast at gospelbaptistchurch.com.